Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and this week I'm covering the, the best way I can describe it would be a very elegant album. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, orchestral sounds in here. We also have some synthesizers, some amazing vocals by none other than Sarah Brightman. Now, I don't know a huge amount about Sarah Brightman, to be honest. I know this album, which uh, I, I love certain songs on here very much. Other songs, I just kind of tend to skip for some reason. Um, I have given the full album a chance many times. And while I like everything that's on here, there's just certain songs that I really gravitate towards. Um, I remember I first heard of her when I was in Michigan visiting my family and my grandmother asked me if I knew anything about Sarah Brightman. And I said, no. And she said, well, she was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber. And I said, okay, that meant nothing to me. I mean, I know who Andrew Lloyd Webber is obviously, but I, it it didn't, it didn't make me know who she was any more than that. Um, but she, uh, she told me about this album, La Luna, because uh, I was a huge fan of Beethoven, and this was right around, I think this was the same trip when I was out there and we watched Immortal Beloved, the uh, the movie where Gary Oldman played Beethoven, which is a beautiful movie. Um, but I, re- yeah, I think it was that trip, and there was a section of Beethoven's Seventh Symphony that they played in the movie, and that happened to be the same section that she took and did a song and put it on this album, which really pissed me off because I had that same idea. I just hadn't done it yet. So uh, kudos to you for beating me to it. I mean, of all the Beethoven pieces that you could want to take a particular section of it and want to do, uh, it would be the second movement of the Seventh Symphony, and we both had that idea. Deep Purple also did that um, in a song. I think it was Exposition on the Book of Taliesin album. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think that was it. Um, Anyway, great song, though. She does a great version of it, which we're going to get to. But that was um, really my introduction to this album. And so when I got back to Colorado, I made it a priority to go to Media Play, which was uh, a wonderful record store, movie store. Uh, at the time, uh, huge selections, really good prices until Best Buy bought them and ran them into the ground. Uh, well, I mean, that's smart. You know, you buy up your competition. But uh, yeah, so I, I got the album and uh, I listened to it and I really, really liked it. I think that she has an amazing voice. She can be elegant and beautiful, but also haunting at the same time. I mean, she's really got some uh, uh, amazing tonal qualities to her voice. Also, the the particular songs that she picked, I don't know if all of these are covers or not, but I know uh, uh, some of them at least are. And some of the arrangements that she did on these are just fantastic. And I mean, obviously, you know, she's working with other people to make this happen, producers and that. But uh, the overall project is, is just really, really good. So uh, we've got 15 songs and a bonus hidden track that we are going to get to. I actually just found out about it as I was researching the album. Had no idea. So, uh, you know, it's a good thing I did this podcast because it helped me learn a little something. So this album originally came out in 2000 and has been flourishing ever since. Here is the first song, not La Luna, which is the name of the album, but just La Lune. This is very much uh, an opening track, almost like an overture, but not quite. It's very ethereal. It really tells you that this is going to be an epic project. 
Um, it almost reminds me a little bit of um, the uh, the Enigma album that I covered not too long ago, where it just has that we're going to have a song really just to set the tone for the whole project that we're doing here. And uh, it's really elegant, though. It, it really has a, a beauty and a haunting quality all of its own. It's a very cool track. Now, this track uh, on the MP3, of course, cuts off because it blends into our next song, Winter in July. So it's kind of new age. It's kind of poppy. This is our first opportunity to really get to hear her voice. Um, She did a little bit of vocals in the uh, opening song that we didn't get to, but this is really our first chance to hear her sing. And she just has such a, a gentle, almost childlike voice, but the pitch that she sings at is it's quite a higher range than most singers. It's a little bit breathy. It's really unique. I love the sound of it. Absolutely love her voice. Uh, And I love the way that she uses it, you know, because she's singing with some power, but she's just got that, that just airy, breathy gentleness to it. But it's a nice track. It's very simple, very straightforward. Um, Really, from this point, I think, honestly, kind of gives a better idea of setting the tone for the rest of the album. Um, Our third song is called Scarborough Fair. This is a remake of the classic... Simon and Garfunkel song. And uh, that's, you know, a hugely popular one. It's an interesting pick, but I really like what she did with it. And, and I wouldn't have guessed how well this song suits her voice. Are you going to the fair? I don't know what your answer is yet, but I'm just going to start naming spices. I've always thought this song was so weird. It's it's a beautiful song, but lyrically, I've always just found it to be a little strange. Um, I, I don't know if they were trying to be abstract or what, but that always seemed like a strange way to open a song to me. Um, I love her voice on this. She's got such a high natural range and she's got such great control over it. Um, she really puts some emotion into this song and, you know, the backups and everything. It just it gets to be um, a little bit bigger and a little bit more epic. But it's just she's just got such a way about her that I can't name. I, I mean, I tried to think about this for a while before I did this show. I knew I was good, it was coming up and I cannot name another singer that I can think of that's quite like her. Not even close. I mean, she really has a very unique style all of her own. 
And it's it's lovely. I mean, it's absolutely lovely. Now, I'm only familiar, like I said, with this album. So I don't know what her other stuff sounds like. This may, may be a very unique style for this particular album. I don't know. But uh, I love the way that she sounds on this one. It, it's fantastic. And I think she does this song some really good justice. Um, I really like the orchestration on it. I think it's... Um, it's it's really uh, fitting, but kind of takes the song to another level. And I don't know uh, a lot of the original versions of of these songs, so I can't I can't say on all of them whether she was able to do that or not. But just based on the ones that I know, I'm going to guess she probably did with all of them because they she seems to really have a knack for arrangement and rearranging songs that already exist, or or her and whoever she's working with. I should say because I don't know that she should get all the credit. Um, often, you know, the producer she's working with, or maybe an orchestrator. Um, but in any case, um, the end result is absolutely just amazing. Now let's, let's get into the song that pisses me off. So this is, uh, it's listed as Beethoven Figlo Perduto. I do not speak Italian, uh, so I don't know what that means, but uh, that is the piece from the Seventh Symphony. It is the beginning of Movement 2 from the Seventh Symphony, a very hauntingly beautiful piece from Beethoven. A lot of his music really has a, a dark edge to it. Um, even when it's when it's like light and pretty and elegant, there's still like an element of, but I know he was really miserable as a person when he wrote this. Uh, here is Figlo Perduto. This just builds and builds and gets bigger and bigger. And it's it's just a beautiful, massive piece of music. Um, now, of course, Beethoven's music didn't have lyrics. And uh, some of the symphonies did when it got to just the, the choral sections. Uh, but the Seventh Symphony did not, at least not in this section. I don't think any of it did, if I remember right. I don't think uh, a choral section was added to a symphony until the Ninth Symphony, the Ode to Joy, is probably most one of, if not his most famous piece. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there were any, any choral sections on this one. Uh, so all of these are, are made up lyrics by Sarah Brightman or, or, you know, again, whoever she was working with, um, just, just as mine, mine's a lyrical version as well. Um, I'm going to re-release that one of these days, but it's, it's just beautiful and it gets bigger and bigger. Her voice gets so passionate in this song. It's really well worth getting this album just for this song alone. Honestly, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, Still pissed off about it, to be honest, because I really wish that uh, I had put my version out first. But certainly, uh, I, I really can't complain because this is such a, a beautiful song to listen to, as I have many, many times. Our next song, I, I believe the original was written by Procol Harum, I want to say. There's a wonderful version by Annie Lennox from the Arrhythmics. 
uh, as a solo piece. This is called whiter sh A Whiter Shade of Pale. You know, honestly, this is another song I've never understood the story of, but uh, she does a great job singing it. I love that passion that she brings in. And uh, of course, in the last chorus, it just gets absolutely huge. Um, another one definitely well worth listening to. I did look it up. I was right. The original version was Pro Call Harem. It's very different. It's very slow, uh, really dark. You know, uh, this version is great. I, I think I prefer Annie Lennox's version the most, but... Uh, probably because I'm most familiar with that one. Um, I, I, I'm sure I'm going to cover that on a show in the future, but if you get a chance, check that out. Uh, but this version by Sarah Brightman, nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, it does get to be a much bigger song as it goes on, as a lot of these songs with her do. Uh, she's definitely good at builds, you know, um, taking something, making it simple, kind of making a statement at the beginning, and then just building and building and building on it from there. And with that voice and the power of the music, you just can't go wrong. I, I mean, you really can't. Um, the next song, I, I don't know if this is a cover or not. Uh, it's, a, it's a lovely song, though, um, really emotional, and it's called He Doesn't See Me. He Doesn't See Me would be great if the he is Darth Vader and you're the one that lost the Millennium Falcon. In this case, it's somebody whose attention she wants, somebody she admires, somebody she wants to notice her, and he just doesn't. You know what? Because he's busy. He's got shit to do. Uh, great song, though. Uh, I, I Again, I just, can you imagine like that pitch being your natural singing voice? Just up in that higher register like that. I, that sounds so good. Um, but yet she doesn't sound thin, like, like her voice, she sings in a higher register, but she doesn't sound like she needs more low end in her voice. And that could be a little bit of EQ. I mean, I would probably put a little low end EQ in her voice too, just to thicken it up a little bit. But, um, yeah, I just love that, that, that pitch is amazing to me. Um, but this is another very beautiful song, just her voice with those strings, 
Uh, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. And this is another one that I've listened to many, many times. It's just such a passionate vocal that you can't help but to really feel for her in this song, you know, because it's kind of an unfortunate situation. Um, so that's He Doesn't See Me. And next up, we have a song called Serenade, which is kind of what she's doing. That is the kind of thing I could just listen to for a, a good solid hour. Honestly, I could just put the headphones on, lay down, and just let my mind drift away with that kind of music. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, that is the whole song, though. Uh, it's just a little over a minute, but it, it blends into our next song, uh, How Far This Place. But Serenade, man, God, what a, what a just beautiful, beautiful piece of music. This is why I wish I could sing that. I, I wish I could do that kind of stuff. I don't know how well it would sound with a male voice, but especially this one. But I, I just love this kind of music. It's absolutely beautiful. This this sort of vocalizing, not really singing, but just having vocals present and and just kind of letting them flow the way that she does. It's it's just a masterful presentation. Absolutely masterful. And I love that the vocals aren't that upfront. They're kind of blended in a little bit behind the piano. I think that's a great choice because you don't want to uh, have anything like just jump in and take you out of the song. Let everything just flow very gently. It's, it's like adding food coloring to water. You know, you don't just dump the thing in. You add it slowly. You let it blend. And that's what they've done here with audio. Just absolutely wonderful. Um, so that song blends into our next song, How Far This Place. You know, even if you're not a fan of opera, like I, I have great respect and appreciation for opera and the amount of work that goes into an opera from from all aspects, from the production to the stage set to the, you know, the talent of the musicians and the singers and all. I mean, it's it's just there's so much incredible work that goes into it and talent that needs to be showcased to make it work. But I'm not a huge fan of watching an opera or, or listening to operas for the most part. Um, so, but how can you listen to this and not just be wowed 
by what you're hearing. I mean, such control over her voice, the strings, the combination, again, uh, her voice and strings just work so like they were born to be a match. And I think this is, is such another just elegant piece, very powerful. Uh, I think one of her best vocal performances on the album, to be honest. Um, I don't know if she was an opera singer, but I would think she had to be. Uh, at least she's she's certainly classically trained, no doubt about that. But she's just fantastic. And this song, I think above all of them, really show off her voice uh, in that arena. So, uh, you know, even though this is one I, I sadly usually skip over, and I'm wondering right now why, because that's just a beautiful song. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> so I'm going to stop doing that because that is well worth listening to. Now, I uh, I don't speak Italian. I, this looks Spanish to me. Um, so I, I'm going to probably butcher this. Hijo de la Luna. H-I-J-O. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that, but that might be the Spanish pronunciation. Maybe in Italian, it's different. I don't know. I don't know which one it is, to be honest. But let's check it out. Yeah, this really fits in well with the last couple. I think it, it has that same sort of, um, you know, large scale show production opera type song. Uh, although it did feel a little bit like a Christmas song in the beginning. It lost that for me. But the beginning of it made me feel like it was a Christmas song. And maybe it is. I, I don't know. Because I don't, I don't know what the lyrics are. But uh, it's, it's just another powerful, elegant song. I think it fits very well in this album. And I think it's really well placed after how far, how far this plays. So, um, you know, the order of music really, really is important. And that's one of the things that I know a lot of artists or bands or record companies, you know, whoever's making the decision, that's really a one of the most difficult parts of making an album is figuring out the order of the songs. That's one reason I do like doing concept albums is because I don't have to think about that because the story tells the order of the songs, you know. Um, but yeah, another great song. Um, this next one is another one of my favorites. It's one of the ones that is the reason I've skipped through some of the other songs that I really want to hear this. This is a remake of Dido's Here With Me. Thank you. 
Now, I have to be fair to Dido. This was the first version of this song that I heard, and it is epic. I mean, it's got a killer bass line. It's got beautiful instrumentation, an incredible vocal, so much passion and power in it. Uh, And then I heard Dido's version, and I thought, eh. I mean, it's, you know, singer-songwriter kind of thing. It, It did not have anything in it that really made me go, wow, um, but this version is, I, I, I absolutely love, especially the last section. I mean, it's it, as she goes on to, you know, repeat the last couple of choruses, it's just so powerful, so passionate. Again, a, another purchase that is worth the entire album, as far as I'm concerned. In fact, you know what? I'm just going to play a little bit of the ending for you. It goes on for a while uh, after that with uh, with her singing the, the higher vocals, just following along. Killer bass line all the way through the fade. Just an incredible, incredible cover version of a song. And, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's the original because it's the one that I heard first. But I know it's not with all due respect to Dido. Uh, but I, I would be curious to know what Dido thought of this because I think it took her basic, you know, singer-songwriter, very simple song and just made it explode into something absolutely epic and and definitely soundtrack worthy. So great job on that. Um, another one I, I highly recommend. Our next song is called La Khalifa. So we're back to the uh, opera style, you know, uh, huge production songs. Um, absolutely gorgeous. This is the kind of song that you're just you're just sitting there listening to. And I imagine being in the theater and watching this being performed and your jaw just hanging open and you have to put your hand to your chest just to make sure that your heart hasn't stopped beating because this is just so much to take in. It's such an elegant and beautiful song. Her voice is absolute perfection on this the emotion in the strings, they have a a sad quality to them. And in a way her vocals do, but also they don't. It's such a weird combination of emotions that she puts into it. It's like, yes, there's something sad, but I kind of have hope that it's going to be okay. That's the feeling I get from it. Again, you know, sung in a language that I don't speak. So I don't know what the story is to this song. And I kind of like that, to be honest. Um, I don't necessarily always need to know what the story is. Sometimes I just want to feel it instead of being told what to feel. You know, let the music, let the voice fill me up with the feeling and not necessarily the words, you know. Uh, But that's just me. And and that is one thing I do love about opera because I, I don't speak Italian and so many operas are done in Italian that I really can just let the the sounds carry me away as opposed to, you know, the the lyrics. Kind of like with Cirque du Soleil, because mo- like 98% of Cirque du Soleil's words are made up. There's very few songs that are actually in any real language. And so you could just feel it, you know, and let that be your guide to what you feel. 
um, kind of like underscore for a film. It directs you, but it doesn't say, hey, this is what's happening. Let me tell you the story. It just allows you to feel it and enhances what's on the screen, which is telling you the story anyway. So that was La Khalifa. This is called This Love. Yeah, this is another great song. I love those uh, metal sheet sounds that we're hearing in the background. It sounds like they're being struck with like um, almost like a bass drum beat or something that has felt on it. And it isn't like a hard strike, like a, a mallet or a hammer. Um, but I love those sounds in the background. That's one thing. I, like, There's a lot of orchestral elements to this album, but there's also a lot of more, well, what would have been modern at the time, you know, 22 years ago. Uh, modern synths as well. It's a really nice blend between the two, especially like on Here With Me. That's a great ver uh, representation of, of that union that she's created for this, the sound of this album. Um, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of piano anymore just because I've kind of heard it so much, but I think the piano use on this album is, is great as well. It's, it's not overbearing. It's not hard hitting. It's really more gentle and, and used almost more of an effect. Uh, or or like inflections of a melody instead of just a piano being a leading instrument, even though it, it sometimes is. Uh, very interesting. But yeah, this is another just really gentle song. Those, uh, those hammers or those um, metal strikes that we're hearing really bring out a depth to the song that I don't think anything else quite could have done. So it's a little bit wind, it's a little bit metal sheet, uh, but it's a, a really nice blend of sounds for sure. Um, I really like that. So our next song is called Solo Conte. And no, I have no idea what that means. back to these strings and vocals again just another uh, another wonderful piece this is one that i i haven't really listened to a whole lot uh, because i like to skip ahead to the next track but it's uh, you know it, it fits right on the album honestly it's it's again very elegant there's a couple of really nice crescendos later on in the song uh, that are very interesting but yeah it, it, it's that combination of vocals and strings that really just carries so much emotion through another piece of this album and it really makes it a cohesive album, too. It, it seems like it wouldn't be with, you know, some pop tune covers, some, you know, some classical stuff, some opera stuff. Like, it just seems like a weird combination. But honestly, the whole album works together very, very well, even though the songs tend to depart from each other in style a little bit now and then. Um, I think overall, the album is very cohesive. Um so as we're winding down to the last couple of tracks, and we have still our bonus track to get to yet, um, this next song comes with actually quite a rich history that is completely unverified. 
Um, it's called Gloomy Sunday, and the story, as I recall, um, caused this composer's wife to leave him and was the only song that ever made him money, yet caused a rash of suicides because of the incredibly depressing nature of the song. And I don't know that any of the suicides that are supposedly linked to the song actually were really done because of this song. I honestly don't know. Um, But that's, you know, that's all part of the lore, I suppose. It is a pretty depressing song. And I mean, it's basically about giving up on life. But and and, and it kind of touches on that, you know, I my existence really doesn't matter here. And I think so many of us have felt that way at one point or another. And it's a real shame because we all have beautiful things to offer in this world, whether we feel like we do or not, you know, whether it's our opinions or our kind nature or how we treat other people or, you know, whatever it is, our creativity, you know, our, our work ethic, you know, all different things. Um, but yeah, this is basically a, you know, I don't matter. Maybe if I died, I would have some kind of relevance in this world is, is the feeling of the song. And, um, it's intense. I mean, it's, it's a really intense song. I don't think I've ever heard the original version um, by the actual composer. I I have heard another version by Bjork, who sang the song and arranged it as only Bjork could, you know, because she's another one that has a very, very haunting quality. Um, But let's let's take a listen and see what you think. So basically, my lover's dead. I have nothing to offer the world. I want to be dead with you. That's that's what we've got in this song. I love her vocal on this. I mean, her performance is so haunting. The emotion, it's almost like her voice is cracking with the emotion of feeling the loss of this person and wanting to die because you can't be with them anymore. Uh, I think it's it's another just absolutely stunning vocal performance, very unique compared to the other songs on the album. Um, but it's a unique song. I mean, there's there's really nothing else on the album quite like it. And I just, I think her vocal performance is just absolutely fascinating and spot on. It brings out a depth that just singing the song straight would have never done. So whatever the truth of this song is, I, I think it's just one of those wives' tales that, you know, has been passed on from generation to generation or whatever. And the song, you know, the story's been embellished as we've gone on. But um, I've never actually heard of like anybody leaving a suicide note and saying that this song uh, was too much for me to take. I didn't want to be a part of the world anymore, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it, I suppose it's possible. You know, there was that, um, who was it? The the lawsuits over that Judas Priest song. I still don't even know what song it was, where they said that some kid had killed himself because he had listened to that song, which was ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I just think it's part of the part of the lore. You know, it's a controversial song. It's really upsetting. So, of course, it's going to have some kind of story to go along with it. Uh, but but a very elegant version of, of the song, no doubt. Um, I'm actually really glad that she did it. I think it's a, it's a beautiful 
part of the album. You know, sad as it is, it's it's definitely something that that has a great level of emotion and intensity to it. And, uh, you know, good for her for giving it a shot. So our last official track on the album is the title track simply titled La Luna. You know, I really feel like this is the perfect ending to the show. I mean, if you were to take this album and say, okay, this is a uh, a soundtrack, you know, to, uh, to, to a live performance, I think this is the perfect ending. And it ends in this incredibly beautiful full orchestra crescendo that's just stunning. I, I mean, it, it could not be a perfect ending. The only thing that seems to be missing is the two second wait while everyone's stunned and then the thunderous applause. You know, it's not a live album. But when you when you hear the end of the song, it certainly feels like that should be following very, very quickly. Um, yeah, a, a beautiful way to end this fantastic and, and very elegant album, I have to say. Uh, however, after the crescendo and, and the reverb is over, if you wait about 20 seconds still on this track, there is another track. She does a little version of a song called Moon River. Let's check it out. So don't get me wrong. This is absolutely lovely. I, I love the sound of it. I love just the gentle plucking. I love her voice. Um, but it seems a little weird to me. You know, if you if you look at this album as a soundtrack, and it really does feel like one, um, that crescendo at the end of La Luna really should be the end. Um, I like this. I think it's nice. But it just after that, like that seems to be final to me. It seems to be the end. And yes, I want more. I'm probably going to, you know, start the the CD over again because I just, the way it, it leaves you, you're like, this was an incredible epic journey, but I want to take it again right now. Um, but this, yeah, this just feels off. It's it's a real just slow, mellow thing. It's kind of almost like a, a downer after the ending of, of La Luna. So, I mean, it, it's cool. I, I'm glad they waited the 20 seconds. I think that's really the only thing that that makes it okay is that it's so far away from the crescendo that um, it kind of is just another track on the album. Um, but if you if you want to look at it as like a cohesive soundtrack, then it just seems really weird and out of place because the show's over. And while people are heading back to their cars, she's not going to come back and sing one kind of mellow song. 
I don't know. That that's kind of weird, but it's cool. I mean, I didn't know about the bonus track, so I only heard it for the first time yesterday. And uh, I mean, it's cool on its own, definitely. Uh, does it fit into the album? It might have if it was somewhere else. I think somewhere in the middle or something, I I might have enjoyed it a little bit more. But um, yeah, great album. Absolutely fantastic. There's no other album that I know that's quite like this. Um, I hope you guys liked it. I, I think it's a it's a really great album. Like I said, if you're you know a fan of Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, um, Figlio uh, Perduto is a great song. That's the fourth track. It's listed as Beethoven first. Um, Whiter Shade of Pale, Here With Me. Um, there's definitely some great stuff on on here, no doubt about that. And those are just the ones that, that I know of as as being, you know, maybe popular tunes like Scarborough Fair, uh, Whiter Shade of Pale, that sort of thing. But there is just some amazing music and, and just beautiful, stunning, haunting vocals and uh, fabulous strings. I mean, everything that you could want on an album of this style is is here and ready to be enjoyed. So if you're not somebody who already owns this, go check it out. Links are in the show notes, guys. Thank you very much for joining me for another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. We will see you next week with another show. Cheers. <laughs>